0: I have been worrying about this sermon, or teaching. I mean, putting my mind to it pretty seriously. Because the fact of the matter is, the world around us and everything that we are all party to, we are involved in, is basically bad news. Just about everything you hear when you listen to news, is bad news. And it's distracting and actually generates depression, concern and worry. In fact, if you are not bothered by what you hear, there's something wrong with you. I mean, we've got so many people who are suffering from depression. But we have a world that's piling on stuff that is of concern. And a lot of these folks, maybe you're sitting here this evening, are depressed because of the world around you, which is depressing. And I don't ever hear anybody say that but when I listen to any kind of newscast and much of whatever passes for entertainment, it's pretty disturbing if you know and love Jesus. It is if you don't know and love him. Different things strike you in different ways. I mean, there is so much to be concerned about. Oh, for the simple days when it was just food and clothing. That's what Jesus uses as an illustration. To be concerned for what you're going to eat. Maybe that covers a whole category of taking care of business at home, having a house, a family, and what you wear. He talks about the pagans. This is Jesus' teaching. This is the Lord himself, that is the godless, those who don't know God, are driven to seek out those particular things. They're concerned about what they're going to eat and wear, their livelihood. But it shouldn't be so with you, says the Lord. So let's have a prayer together right now. Someone asked me to pray for an Andrea. I'm going to lead you all in a prayer for Andrea. She came off, she's a young lady, came off a cruise, went comatose, is now brain dead, and they want to pull the plug. Well, you and I have heard stories about people going brain dead and getting it back. I mean, coming back to, you know, the brain isn't that dead. So... Apparently, nobody knows what the cause is. But we can pray for Andrea. So let's do that right now. So more bad news, Lord. The children of this young woman, her husband, family and friends around her, the lady who's a friend in our church, of this young lady, We pray, Lord, that you would bring that brain back to life. We bring her, Andrea, to you. Go into that room where she is presently on life support and bring her back to life. We pray for her family. In their great distress, may they turn to you. And for each of us, Lord, now, with the concerns we have in our lives, have mercy on us, Lord. Please take charge. Help us to give you charge. Walk amongst us, Lord. Convince us that you really care care for us individually, personally become that personal to us toward that end therefore Lord please again take my lips and speak through them if you don't speak Lord nothing of any real value will be said take our minds and stir them To think the way you would have us think, think through our minds and steer our thinking. Take our stubborn wills, Lord, our willful disobedience, our willful distrust of you, and shape these wills of ours. And take our hearts, Lord Jesus, how we need you to take hold of us, our hearts. And set them on fire with love for yourself. Take your word. And bring it to life in our own experience. We pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, let me add to the depression. Just for a moment. Personally the kinds of things that concern us first of all finances money if we have a lot it bothers us that we might lose it and if we've borrowed it that we can't pay it back and if we don't have it we wish we did nothing moves without money that's what i tell people in ministry no money No ministry. Nothing moves without money. I mean, it's the very resource. You could use another word, our resources. The the resources that are available to us. So, all of you here, almost without exception, has concern about finance. If you've got kids, and you think you're going to send them to college, you are in trouble $40,000 of forty thousand dollars at a cheaper school nowadays a year, four years of that that's, that's one hundred and sixty thousand. who's got that to spend on an education and the kids come out and can't get a job? So they come home and live at home <laughs> in the basement <laughs> wherever. They're not off your hands. You thought you'd get them educated, and they'd go out and earn a living and maybe even put some money in your pocket. And they're still on the catch. I'm on the, you, they're still coming to you asking for more. That's money. How about relationships where you work, in your own family, with your own children? People in the church. I mean, we have people turning up here who've really been burned elsewhere. And they're talented and gifted, I mean, elsewhere in another church. Some of you, if I asked you to stand up if you're one of those, and you had the courage to do it, it would be a whole lot of you. There are people in this church who tell me they're just sitting in the back, they they want time out. they got burned out or beat up some other place just let us be here for a while we'll get involved but we don't want to be involved right now and that's church that's about the holy people those who know jesus who've sought to serve him relationships are tough how about health If you're not sick, you're worried you're getting sick. And you know enough to think, hmm, that could be. And then you can actually go online and find out if the symptoms you have match up with the problem you think it is. We were staggered when one of our daughters, the first one to get married... Got married here in Sewickley. Had the reception, the wedding, you know, the party, the marriage party, the evening before the wedding. And the young man she was marrying, that we said he could take her as his bride, loved Jesus. But all his friends, and a whole bunch of them came up from Tennessee or down south. Southern boy. Started talking about this guy. As a hypochondriac. He was always thinking he was sick with something. He hasn't changed that much. (laughs) And his mother before him is even worse. (laughs) They live in the neighborhood of. Our kids, our grandchildren. The parents of young man i mean i'm concerned about my health i've been under the knife any number of times how about you once you get beyond about 50 55 groups get together and they have what they call an organ recital (laughs) that's just health How about people you know in your family who are close to you who need to know the Lord? Or know the Lord, but they're not living for him. They've put him on the back burner. Your kids? Married to someone like that? Maybe your parents, neighbors? Are you burdened with people? I mean, are you concerned? about people going to hell who are close to you. That's a big issue. How about career and career goals? I'm piling it on. Didn't I tell you I was going to pile it on? How's that going for you? This is all personal stuff. I haven't gone to the national stuff. Let me do that right away. (laughs) Because now I can really wind you up. We've got a divided nation between those who are liberal and those who are conservative, to call them by simple titles. And they are at war. And that war is not going to go away. And you see it every day in whatever news you pick up. So whether it's about the Supreme Court... Or Obamacare, or people who are to be in position in leadership in the government, etc. Walls to protect ISIS, Islam. I understand that our present current debt is so huge that if everybody were to pay up, cough up something like, I don't know how many thousands now, but it's in the thousands of dollars per person. So, who's going how are you going to pay that off? The national stuff is huge. And then there's your entertainment. I mean, this all consumes you. The Steelers get knocked out. I guess we kind of halfway expected them to get beat by New England, but I could tell you, Pittsburgh goes into a funk when their teams are going down. I was surprised to hear just today on the radio that the Penguins are third. I'm used to them being number one. As you start hearing about the Pirates and trades, and, and how about social media? How about the, your emails? How about your emails? I thank God I I really literally thank God that I haven't gotten into doing email you say how do you get away with that because I've got a personal assistant here at the church and she sifts it all out (laughs) she has to deal with it clean it out and give me what she thinks I need to see so when you send me an email it goes through a process before it gets in front of me so I'm not walking around with my little smartphone getting emails that's just emails how about going to a restaurant and seeing everybody sitting at the table texting? How do you like that kind of meal? I wonder whether they're texting each other instead of talking to each other. <laughs> Does that ever cross your mind? Then you've got games. Stuff you listen to. Watch movies. You can't get in a conversation with the guy next to you on the plane anymore. He's watching a mover on his uh, little pad. Am I wearing you out? Where is? What do you deal with all this? How do you deal with all this? I mean, this is the world we live in. And it consumes your time and your energy, your mind, your thoughts, your emotions, your passions, your vision. Everything I've described is just about all-consuming. And then you come... To church life. And they want you in a small group, they being us. We want you in a small group. We want you to be able to share your faith and witness to people. We want you to turn up on Wednesday nights in Lent. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Etc. To get involved in leadership. To go down and find out how to put your family back together in one of the classes, like Dave Brewer teaching. To be a greeter, to be an usher, to be a singer, to be in the choir. We should have a spectacular choir of something like about 150 people out of this church, but some of you who have voices don't have time to be in the choir because of everything else we've just been talking about. So that's another whole layer of responsibility. So Jesus comes walking amongst us this evening, and he says this, cast all your care upon me knowing that i care for you 1 peter chapter 5 verse 7 cast all your anxiety on him says peter writing to his readers because he cares for you cast all your anxiety Paul's encouragement to us in Philippians is this. Chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want to come back to that. But the focus that's being called for here, as Jesus taught it, was this. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be taken care of. That's not what exactly he said. He said these things will be added to you. The things you're concerned about will be taken care of. Seek first his kingdom. That is to have his mindset to see things the way he sees them. To be ambitious for what he wants to do. His kingdom is the way he he sees things. He runs the show. He is the king of the kingdom. When we Come into a relationship with Christ. We are born anew spiritually. And that means several things. One, we are in his family. Spiritually alive. Secondly, we are in his kingdom. He is king and we are his subjects. And we are family together. We belong to each other. We are there for each other. To see things the way he sees them. That is to have This is the key word. His priorities. His priorities. Listen to the Apostle Paul. Another very famous statement. We kind of breeze through these famous statements because we're so used to them. listen to these words. I urge you, brothers... This is Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will, and let me add to it, for you to, have his, to seek first his kingdom, to prioritize your life around his being your king, for your concern to be the things that concern him, not to be shaped by this world. The J.B. Phillips translation, which is a modern translation that goes back to the 1950s when they started modernizing the text from the these and the thous, says this, do not let the world press you into its mold. Everything I described earlier is like being put into a pressure mold. Have you ever seen plastic injection moldings and how that's done? And stuff's fired into a mold, heated up and shaped. Powder turns into plastic or some other polythene. And the world's doing that to us. So you heard Dave Brewer talking about decontaminating the kids. After you've done that, you better decontaminate the parents. Us. It's astounding how our young people... Three mothers took me out to lunch this past week... ...to talk about their grown-up kids... ...who've now been shaped... that have been raised in this church... ...love Jesus... But are shaped and molded like the world. Is that your kids? And it's amazing how we, who say we know and love Jesus, have been shaped with the kind of pessimisms, skepticisms, attitudes about things, that our day-to-day things, so that we've been reshaped, and we need to be contaminated. How does that happen? By having your minds renewed by the word of God and taking it seriously. The truth of God's word and the dynamic of his spirit taking that word and applying it to our lives. Shapes us. So that then whenever we are in those circumstances. Because we've got an enemy. That's another whole lecture and season. But as we were singing the song about his being our shield and our defense. And our strong tower, who's coming after us? The devil comes as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist? Steadfast in the faith, the scripture says. But there is a spiritual battle behind all these secular battles. It is not just a different mindset. There is a different spirit at work. And what you've got is a clash of kingdoms. God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom. The kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. Of life, the kingdom of life, how true it is. And the kingdom of death, how true it is. Behind the scenes. Unbelievable spiritual battle. And what we see in the culture are just the symptomatic pop-ups. ...of that battle. So when we know and love Jesus... We're, ...I trust you are aware of what I'm saying... And, ...and feel like it's confirmed in your own experience. It is not just a different mindset... ...or a different emotional background. There is a spiritual liar at work... ...deceiving people... ...so that the truth is made to look like a lie... ...and narrow and ugly and wicked... And wickedness is made to look like kindness and generosity and sweetness and light. Up is down and down is up. And that's not just an intellectual battle behind all the intellectual discussion is a spiritual battle. So we who say we know and love Jesus have got to be in his word, being shaped by his word, being encouraged by his word, being turned on by his word. Being enthusiastic by his word. How much time? Oh, I've got, got the time down here. I was going to ask you, Pastor Jared, how much? I was right there. And I've only just gotten started. Can you believe it? <laughs> are you clapping my wife? Yes, are. Who said, just don't worry about it. Right? <laughs> She'll tell me afterward. How wonderful it is. How wonderful. This is where it gets to be real to us. To be able to take God's word and put it to work in our lives. Listen to this. Do not be anxious about anything. What does that include? Everything. Anything is everything. All the stuff I, I gave you, the litany of misery... And I only just kind of got started. I mean, if I got into it. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, what's the antidote? By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the subsequent promise is this, the peace of God, which transcends understanding. It is a gift. It's not just intellectually perceived, though it's good psychology to give over this stuff to the Lord. Very good. It's God's psychology to be able to give it to him. Cast it off. Cast all your care upon him. For he cares for you. You. Can you believe it? He cares for you. He knows what you're dealing with. He knows the battle in your mind. He knows the addictions you're battling. He knows, and, and for some, worry is a, an addiction. Let me say that again. Worry is an addiction. Some of you are addicted to worrying. If you weren't worrying, you wouldn't know what to do with yourself. Everything's going to go wrong your job, your health, your kids. It's all going to go wrong. So you worry. When I was a young man, that nearly leads me to a song, but when I was a young man, I was newly ordained and living with an elderly widow. That's where they found for me to live so that she could clean my clothes, cook my meals, make my bed. I don't know that she ever did that. But she was an elderly widow and she took care of me, Mrs. Barrett. I introduced my wife to her, took her to Bristol, England. I said, this was my landlady. That's what we called them in, in England, my landlady. And Mrs. Barrett, bless her little heart, and she was a gentle soul who worried about everything. <laughs> I mean, everything she worried about. And somebody gave her this little saying which she pinned up in the kitchen. And this is what it said. Why pray when you can worry? (laughs) Reverse psychology. Why pray when you can worry? To be able to take it all to him. Your health. We just prayed for Andrea. God does work miracles. A man called me up late one night. An elderly man. A very conservative man. Typical put-together Episcopalian man, (laughs) who was married to a very conservative, traditional Episcopalian wife. I guess they deserved each other. In any case, I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) I got a call late one night that he was in the hospital and he was sobbing. He'd had eye surgery... And they told him that it hadn't taken and they're going to have to go in and operate in his eye again the next morning. So I jumped in the car, drove down to the hospital in the city, went to his room. It was all in darkness. Went in there and prayed for him. Next morning, Lauren was his first name. Lauren is wheeled in to the operating room. And you know how that works. They get you the IV going. And they've got everything ready to do the surgery. And Lauren says to the nurse, I need to speak to the doctor. I think I've been healed. (laughs) Well, he was thrilled to hear that news. And he came in and he was rough and not pleasant. He looked in there and he said, Who the hell did this? He said, you are healed. To which Lauren said, my minister. (laughs) Several months later, I asked him, very concerned. I told you all that because he was so... He would not be the kind of person who would stand up here and talk about himself. Wouldn't share what was going on in his life. Well, Lauren stood up the front of the church and said when i went into and we left it several months two or three months he went back in had his eye checked and the one that was healed was 2020 vision the one that they didn't have to work on still had some distortion of vision but the one god healed was perfect so i had him stand up and tell this very conservative episcopal church about his being healed what do you think they did it stunned me. They all applauded. I mean, they got excited. I mean, that was that church in that day, it was remarkable. Because it was this man, Lauren, very conservative. They all knew who he was, traditional businessman, went in and out of the city every day, had his suit, tie, clean shirt, everything. He's telling about Jesus healing his eye. And when he said, I wanted to get checked up, and my good eye was 20 20, I mean, the one that was bad. Was now the good iron was 2020. they all burst out in applause. We've prayed for Andrea and whatever's going on in your life, it's that personal, the things we pray for personally, individually, that are our issues, and then to say thank you. Did you notice? Petitions, prayers and thanksgivings, to say thank you. If we're forever asking and never thanking, you know how miserable that is in your own life? If your kids are forever asking but never thanking, and then the peace of God will reign in your hearts. You want God's peace? You want a supernatural peace? You don't want a drugged peace? You don't want just peace through avoidance? Peace at any price with whatever the circumstances are around you? That's not what we're talking about. God's peace, which is beyond understanding and comes as a gift. How many of you, I wonder, have ever experienced others who've prayed for you? I can't tell you how often, because those of us in the ministry sort of engage with people, and we know that they're being prayed for. People will say to us, we felt the prayers carrying us through have you ever had that experience the prayers of others carrying you along that's God at work and I'll just close with this because we are done here it's all about a personal relationship with him everything we've been talking about is personal that we can share it with him he cares about us we can cast all our care on him We can give it all to him. Your guilt. That he will forgive. If you go to him and ask him. Clean up that mess. Relationships. People who need to come to know the Lord. Bring it all to him. Tell him. Almost see yourself taking it off your back. And putting it on him. Jesus talked about our being yoked with him what that means is this you've got two oxen pulling a cart or a plow and they're yoked when you're yoked to Jesus guess who's pulling the plow guess who's pulling the cart guess who's carrying the load he is when you're yoked to him You're in harness with him. He carries it. Let's pray. Well, Lord, you know how much we need to pray for those in leadership in our country, our kids and what they're going through in school, the financial problems and distractions that are constantly harassing us, the hurts and pain of people who are unkind and mean, and tell lies about us or tell truths about us we just as soon others didn't know because of unkindness. Lord, these words you give to us, help us to have your mind, have this mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Help us to have your mindset, your way of seeing things, your way of deciding about things and responding. That's our prayer, Lord. So we are praying. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. Thank you that we are here tonight because of prayers. People who prayed for us. Thank you, Lord. Amen.